What's doing, everybody? Today is Tuesday, February 6th. A New York father loses his battle to stop his son from taking puberty blockers in order to change his gender. That New York father, Dennis Hannon, joins me on the podcast today. I'm Alec Lace. This is The Alec Lace Show. The American family is under attack. Parents are the underdog of this nation. Your children are being indoctrinated. That's right. Your children. They do not belong to the state. They do not belong to the school system. They belong to you, the parents, as a blessing from God our Father. So let's preserve, protect, and fight for the American family together. You're listening to The Alec Lay Show. The future is family. Welcome, everybody, to the Alec Lay Show. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. Thank you for tuning in. If you're watching this broadcast live here on Rumble, you know what to do. Get down there and hit that share button. Don't forget to follow the channel here. Hit the like button. Get involved in the live chat down there. The story I'm bringing you guys today, now, quick program note here. I'm out in Las Vegas, and yesterday I was able to interview the players and coaches uh, about fatherhood for my show, First Class Fatherhood. So I'll share some of the clips of that with you. Uh, But if you want to watch all of the highlights from that, the entire episode is going to be available tomorrow on First Class Fatherhood. You can find the channel right here on Rumble. I started the channel here last week. It's the show I've been doing for almost six years now, interviewing dads from all walks of life. The importance of fatherhood cannot be stressed enough, and that's what I've been focused so hard on for the last six years. But I get to do, the NFL invites me to come interview the players and the coaches. So I'm sharing the full episode. We'll be going live on tomorrow's broadcast on First Class Fatherhood. So follow that channel. And as I said, First Class Fatherhood is something that I have been doing for almost six years. I launched this show, The Alec Lay Show, specifically with in in mind with the story that happened that I'm going to bring you guys today is the reason why I launched this thing, because parents' rights are under attack. Fathers are getting just totally raked under the coals in this country, specifically in the family court system. And right now, I truly believe that parents are the underdog in this country. Now, the worst case scenario, the living nightmare for any father is happening to this man, Dennis Hannon, in New York. And here's the headline. I'll put it up on the board from the Daily Mail. New York father loses legal battle to stop his son, eight, from taking puberty blockers to change gender. This is a father's nightmare come true. And, you know, uh, you constantly get, I constantly get pushback when I'm talking about this being the nightmare that's coming. When you allow teachers to keep secrets from their parents, to not tell you that they're changing their genders, it leads to all of a sudden your son getting chemically castrated, right? And being completely, completely altered for the rest of his life. Now, this is happening in the divorce courts are using this. The, the corrupt family court system are, are using this pronoun bullshit and this gender-affirming care, and they're using it against fathers in this country, where if you don't want to affirm the fact that your three-year-old son wants to be a girl and that you should start putting him on medications and puberty blockers that are going to prevent him from becoming the man God made him to be, then you are going to lose your custody of your child. You'll be out of his medical decisions and you'll have nothing to do with them. And that is what happened to this guy, Dennis Hannon, here. And so I'm bringing him on the podcast. I am grateful. You may have seen him. He's been on Fox News. Uh, I, I know Libs of TikTok has had him. And, and I hope 
that he gets as much exposure as possible. And I want you guys to listen very carefully to this guy's story because this could be anybody in your family, anybody in your neighborhood, and it could be you. And this is the type of stuff that's coming. And if we don't do something to stop this in this 2024 election, it, we're never going to get another chance. We have got to stop this nonsense with the with, with the girls having to compete against boys, men in the bathrooms with the girls. It's it, Tampons are in the men's room. We have got to stop the sickness that's destroying the youth in this country, the families in this country, and the parents in this country. We got to put an end to it. This election has consequences coming up in November, and you better believe that if we lose it in November, we may never get another shot at it again. So I'm fired up about this story because, as I said, you know, the, the children do not belong to the state. They do not belong to the school system. They belong to the parents as a blessing from God, our Father. That's who they belong to. And the father has every right to be involved in the decisions medically that are going on with his child. I don't care the divorce situation. It does not matter. The father has a right to be involved. So we're going to bring Dennis Hannon on, and we're going to let him tell his story. Again, uh, he's going to, the link to support him is down there in the description below. You may already be familiar with the story, but if you're not, listen up, because it's, it, it is scary. So right before I bring him on, uh, on a lot, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to share the highlights from the media today. After I bring him on, because I'm fired up about this story. I want to bring him on. If you missed out on my last episode, it, it did amazing numbers. Uh, Darren Beatty was here, Jason Whitlock, and also professor of the Naval Academy, Bruce Fleming. Uh, so flip it back. Take a listen to that episode. F- follow the channel here on Rumble. Uh, the the uh, Beatty portion of that interview, uh, of that episode, was so important because what's going on with the January 6th pipe bomb, him and Revolver.News uh, have, have been doing, have just blasted the pipe bomb story open. So if you missed that interview, please go back and take a listen. And right now we're going to get into this here, this disgusting, disgraceful story. This could only happen in 2024 in America. This is the only time this could ever happen in history. Who would have thought of something like this, right? It starts out with, oh, no, we're not coming after your kids. Oh, no, it has nothing to do with that. And all of a sudden there's tampons hanging in the little boy's room. We got problems here. All right. Again, this is Dennis Hannon, uh, young dad. He's going to tell you this story. I want to hear it from him, too. So let's bring him on. Right. So let's do this here. Joining me now, Dennis Hannon. Welcome to the Alec Lay Show. Alec, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I wish it was under better circumstances here that I get a chance to talk to you. But obviously, your story now is headline news. It's breaking all over the place. And I'm going to be honest with you. One of the main reasons why I started this show, the Alec Lay Show, is to focus on what is exactly happening to you right now. It's a disgrace what we're seeing. But I want you to kind of walk me and the listeners through Take me from the beginning of this. For those that are unfamiliar with this story, take me from where it started to where we are now, if you could. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I think the best place to start is really the catalyst of this. When I first discovered what was going on behind my back that I, I wasn't privy to any of the details on, um, I wasn't receiving school notices for my my son's school. So I had called them. Uh, you know, I told them I couldn't access the parent portal. They did some work on the back end. There was some kind of issue. And then shortly after, I got a letter in the mail addressed to the parent or guardian of Ruby Rose Hannon. Now, Ruby is not the name of my son. I had thought that maybe there was some kind of mix-up in the mail uh, and they had the wrong child. However, the address on the envelope was correct, so I opened it. And when I, real quick here, Dennis, what, what, what is the time frame here? Maybe I, maybe I missed it if you said it, but when, when exactly is this that you're talking about? Five years old, kindergarten. Five years old, kindergarten. Okay, go ahead. Sorry about that. 
Yeah, no, no, it's fine. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to cut me off. I'm more than happy to clarify. Um, so I, I opened the letter and my heart sank because I had discovered that the school administration, as well as some staff, assigned a female name to my child that I wasn't familiar with, and they referred to my son exclusively as female pronouns, she, her. Um, I was already going through a divorce during this time, and so through court discovery and court proceedings, I had discovered that my son's gender transition started between the ages of two to three, and it was effectively hidden for me. And just so that your audience is aware, you know, when he was about two to three, I only had him for about two hours, uh, two days a week, supervised visits only. And I had to scratch and claws. I'm sure you're probably aware with other guests for more time. But during that time, Alec, uh, I was picking him up and he was a boy. But when he was in his mother's care and going to school, he was a girl named Ruby. I was effectively the last to know about this and it and it only got worse so i'll pause there if there's you know any questions or clarity so so just so i clear this up here so you would go to pick your son up and he would your wife your ex-wife would bring him out as a boy she would hide in the fact the fact that she was keeping so at home with her she was dressing him up uh, uh, she was dressing him dressing him up as a girl and then giving him back to you as a boy so this was being done completely behind your back yes sir and the school went along with it um, I, I had no idea. And when he was in my care, Alec, he gave no indication of gender confusion. He was a happy little boy. Is it as normal of a boy as a two to three year old could possibly be? I mean, it wasn't even a thought. Um, you know, it, it wasn't even something that crossed my mind because I was very blessed in the fact that he was happy. He was healthy, and I had no reason to question uh, his his gender identity. Was he saying anything at that point that would make you think that he's playing with Barbie dolls at home, or that he's being dressed up as a girl? Was he was he saying anything or doing anything that kind of made you think like, oh wait, something's up here, like nothing at all? No, and even if he did play with Barbies in my care, I, he never um, liked anything girlish, but. You know, I wouldn't even have a problem if he wanted to play with a Barbie here. It wouldn't bother me. I mean, we, we've played dress up. And one of his favorite plays was Hamilton. Right. So, it, you know, I, I wouldn't have thought anything of that. Um, but besides the point, there was none of that. He showed no interest whatsoever in any female clothing, accessories, toys, none of that. Yeah. Okay. So, so then now at this point, you have nothing, no idea what's going on. Uh, you, you don't know that this <clears throat> Ruby exists, the name, the identity, the whole bit. So now you get this email from the school. This is five years old. And now you had, it kind of hits you and all you like pieces come together. Or you're still kind of like, well, what, what the hell is this all about? It was probably the worst day of my life. Um, because nothing was more soul crushing than realizing that your son was being transitioned into a girl and I wasn't even given the opportunity to support him or I didn't have a say at all. So through court discovery, I discovered that he was going to a self-described uh, gender therapist who specialized in adolescence at two to three years old. And this therapist, Andrea Benner, uh, was was aiding the mother 
and transitioning my son. She practiced gender affirming care. Now this Andrea Binner at the age of about three to four, she referred my son to an endocrinologist in pediatric medicine at the University of Rochester, whose name was Dr. Tran. I'm not making this up. Dr. Tran, over two phone calls totaling 45 minutes with the mother, Dr. Tran never spoke to the child at all. They said that this child sounds, gen sounds confused about their gender, and they recommended the potential for puberty blockers at nine years old. Criminal. It's criminal. Now, see, Dennis, one of the things is when you when we're talking about this stuff and we talk about it on a public forum, automatically you're called a conspiracy theorist. When you're like, do you realize they're trying to make these laws where they're going to take the, the parent, uh, the child away from the parent if they don't affirm <clears throat> the gender? And they're like, you're a conspiracy theorist. That's extreme. But you're living this nightmare that everybody is talking about. And it's and this. We're going to see more and more of this and these lunatics that would do this. Now, I, I did. Ha I did an interview last year. There was a Navy SEAL Team 6 operator, Chris Beck, who transitioned after he got out of the SEAL teams. He transitioned into Kristen Beck. Now, he did that because of his very first appointment he had with the, the counselor at, at the Navy. He was now this guy had a tumultuous childhood, the whole bit. I mean, you know, a lot, a lot of questions about his own uh, sexual orientation, everything. After one visit, they already put him on the path to transitioning into a, a female. They convinced this guy that he needed to transition and put him on medications immediately. Now he came to find out that this was all nonsense and he didn't need to do this. He transitioned back to his regular name, Chris Beck, and now is speaking out against what they're doing to kids. Now, if they can do it to this guy, they can obviously do it to a very vulnerable child and, uh, uh, and not for nothing, but a left-wing lunatic parent who's virtue signaling by wanting to do this. And it's gender dysphoria from what I understand. And gender dysphoria doesn't require puberty blockers. It doesn't require a gender affirming care or chemical castration. It requires some, some, some love and some listening. And that's really all it requires. It doesn't require any of this other nonsense that you're doing. So uh, this seems to be the same boat that they put your, your ex-wife and your son into. And that's exactly why I'm here. If I need to be the first shoe to drop to spark true reform through exposure, then so be it. Um, because we cannot let this continue to happen to our children. This was completely forced upon my son. And he showed no sign of gender confusion at all. Let's put it this way. I had a doctor testify at the custody trial that he was too young for his gender to develop. So they couldn't formally diagnose him with gender dysphoria. So these therapists, what came out in court was not only did they not follow the WPATH standards for transgender care, but my son was never formally diagnosed with gender dysphoria using the DSM-5 criteria. So what we have, Alec, is even worse. We have a treatment plan before a diagnosis. And, and that was the fast track to puberty blockers. Yeah, it sounds more like that is what we have here is somebody uh, like your ex-wife who was hell bent on making your son into a girl because it's something that she believed in. And you have these lunatic doctors who should be just locked up for what they're doing uh, that are willing to take the money in order to do this. Because I would imagine this stuff isn't cheap, uh, you know, uh, to, to go and get this stuff done. So now at this point, what stage is your son into? Now, your son is back to identifying as a boy or where is he at at this moment? My son, so when I stepped in and I discovered this, I put a stop on it, okay? However, he was still court-ordered to go to a gender therapist once a week at $145 per session 
100% out of pocket. This is their business model. And even though he was never diagnosed with gender dysphoria, I was court ordered to have him go. After a year and a half, Alec, of him going there and never being diagnosed with gender dysphoria, I asked to have him discharged. The therapist at the Center for Psychosexual Health at the time where he was court ordered to go refused to discharge him, wrote to the courts, and I lost my sole medical authority. So here we are. My son is nine years old now. I only have visitation. I took it all the way to Supreme Court trial. I lost. I have no medical authority whatsoever. I have no decision making as it relates to his provider, the treatment, or the care that he receives. That is, that is, I don't know how this doesn't piss off parents, every parent in the, uh, on this planet right here, just hearing what's happened here to you. I don't understand how the Supreme Court could rule against you. Uh, and, and there's obviously no reason at all. The, number one, just the fact that we're even having this discussion and talking about it, and this is real world, is still mind boggling to me that this exists in our country today, that we're seeing it. And if it doesn't stop here with you, this is just going to get multiplied by tenfold. Now, already... Listen, when, when I talked to uh, Vivek Ramaswamy on his podcast last year, and he was just announcing his bid for presidency, and he, uh, we, I talked to him about the fatherless crisis, which in my opinion is the number one social issue we have going on in our country. Right. One of the major determining factors in that crisis is what's going on in the corrupt family court system in this country. So I, when he asked me, what could we do about it? I said, address the family court problem. That's the number one thing you can do is try to solve this problem in the family courts because so many good dads are being ripped away from their kids and they're fighting and clawing just like you to get a little piece of time. They're getting humiliated. They're going bankrupt and at the, and they're so depleted just to try to get a couple of hours a week with their kid that a lot of them are giving up. They, they've tried for years to do this. And meanwhile, the, the, the mother has turned the child against them and they want nothing to do with the dad who's been trying tooth and nail to get some time with him. It's the whole thing is sickening what's happening in the family court system. Now you throw this in. You you have no say in your own son being put on puberty blockers that are going to change this child's life forever. And, and, and they're not even allowing you to have a say in that matter. And to me, I don't see how that's anything other than criminal, man. It is. I completely agree. And we weren't allowed. It was like I was labeled as a bigot. I was labeled as intolerant. I was just like you had mentioned before, some conspiracy theorist when all I did was question why and how. How can you have this treatment plan before a diagnosis? And, and it's, it's complete lawfare. I have spent every single dime of my retirement over the last seven years of litigation, probably about $150,000. I'm a former banking executive. I was forced to resign from my job because of this. Jesus. Um, but you know what, Alec? The truth always prevails. If it's not in this lifetime, it'll be in the next. And let me tell you, there are more fathers out there that are going through this than just myself. And I hope that this story sparks true reform because that's what we need. It's going to spark reform, Dennis. There's no way it can't. There's no way what you're saying is not going to spark an outrage of what's going on, because if it can happen to you, it can happen to any of us. And so uh, what is the situation at right now, currently, where you're at? Uh, Ex-wife still has all the custody. What does your custody look like with your son right now? And you said your son now is going by the same name, Matthew, now and, and identifying, I guess, as a boy, what he really is here. Yeah. So as it stands right now, I see my son uh, a few days a week and then every other weekend overnight. I do not have any medical authority. I don't have custody or joint custody. It's solely visitation. In addition to the expenses, I was also court ordered to pay her attorney fees as well. Um, 
so I, I really, I took it as far as I could go, but my son is a very happy little boy. And Alec, that's the point that I'm trying to drive home in all of this. You know, when this started, I was court ordered. I wasn't allowed to talk to my son about his gender identity. I was court ordered not to by a Supreme Court judge. They wanted a paid professional to talk to my son for me who thought that they knew better than I did. So what I tell parents is talk to your children have these conversations with them because if you don't, somebody else who thinks that they know better than you will. And when I started talking to my son about this, I realized very quickly that this was all influence and it was forced upon him. He's a very normal little boy now. He goes by Spencer. Obviously, you can imagine the, the kind of emotional trauma that he had to endure in this because, you know, kids in school, rightfully so, when one year you're a girl named Ruby, and the next year, your boy named, we'll say Matthew, it's confusing. And this is going to be something that he has to live with. And not once did anybody consider the psychological impact of socially transitioning a five-year-old. Not once. And there's no way in the world this should be happening. And I've I seen the pictures. You dress up this boy sending in the kindergarten in a dress. It's like, how could a parent do that to their child? It's just mind boggling to see it. Uh, but j just like you were saying there, too, uh, you're up in Buffalo or you're up in New York there. I'm, I'm in the communist state of New Jersey here. And in our school systems, they, they are not allowing... The, it is not necessary for the teachers to allow the parents to know that their children are using different pronouns in the school. They're allowed to keep that secret from the parents here. Now, there's certain school districts here that sued uh, against this, and the governor countersued these schools to make sure that they are not allowed to tell the parents. And and it's just to me, it's like, whose side are you on here? The, the, the state does not, your kid does not belong to the state. We constantly hear this, this language from the left, from Democrats, that these children belong to the whole community. They don't belong to the parents, the parents. And we even hear the uh, secretary of education, this, this guy Cardona saying the teachers know better for your kids than the parents do. And these people need to be taken out of politics, taken out of the school systems completely, because in my opinion, I don't know your ex-wife uh, and I don't I, and I don't know the judge or, or the doctors in this case. But in my opinion, your ex-wife belongs in Bellevue and these doctors belong in prison behind bars. And, and if you do and if you and if your thoughts are anything other than that, then you belong in behind bars with them. I agree. And that's why I'm never going to stop. I, my goal here is simple. Use this story. We need to abolish gender affirming care for minors, period, full stop. We need to stop these schools from indoctrinating our kids, these state paid educators that think that they know better than the parents. This needs to stop. Well, Dennis, you know that the arrows are coming for you now. That now that you're out here, you, you're you're going to be up against it. So, what do you have any plan? You got website? You have are you raising money? You got fundraisers? Where can people go that want to help you? Want to learn more about what's going on? Yeah, so I started an organization out of the great state of Florida called Indoctrinate This Incorporated. Um, it's I am the treasurer. I'm the executive director. So if you go to indoctrinatethis.org/slash/donate. There's a give, send, go. There's other uh, donation options. And part of the reason why I incorporated was so that I could speak freely about this and have some degree, some separation of liability so that I don't have to worry about the court seizing uh, donations or freezing bank accounts like they threatened to do in the past. So that's how I got around that. And rest assured that any donation, 100% of your donations goes towards keeping that site up and helping parents that are in similar situations like mine to help save their children. Yeah, great for you. Uh, thank God you're doing that too. I'm going to put that link that you mentioned. It's going to be down there in the description below. And you said that's down in the great state of Florida. 
Now, the issue here, too, is just like I said, in Jersey here, it starts with this. Oh, the, the teachers don't have to notify the parents about their, their gender change. That we're calling your son a girl in school. They don't have to tell you that it starts with that. And it ends up all of a sudden your son comes home in a dress and you're like blindsided by like, what's going on? Oh, this has been going on for a year. And we're like, well, how could something like this happen? So uh, let me ask you this, then, Dennis, if I could. You've been through this now. What what do you wish if you had this to do over again from the jump? What would you wish you would have done differently or what advice would you give to a dad that's in the onset of where you were when you first started figuring this stuff out? What would you do differently? What advice would you give to the dad that's in the beginning of this process? Well, you know, I've been threatened with jail. I've lost my job. I've lost a lot. But I look back, Alec, and what helps me sleep at night is knowing I wouldn't do a damn thing differently. I spent my retirement. I spent it the best way possible. And if I had to do it all over again, I would do it a million times because you can't put a price on kids. And so my advice to other parents, try to fight it as long as you can through the court process, go the proper channels, but talk to your kids about these things. Because if you don't talk to them, somebody else will. will. And when you start to remove those spheres of influence, you can have a better understanding of what your child truly wants. The second thing that was key in this was I didn't receive justice from the justice system at all. And I've given up on that. But what worked, what stopped these providers from trying to groom my son into this ideology is exposure. As soon as I started talking out about this, as soon as I found and once they took everything else from me and all I had left was my voice and I used it, they ran because gender dysphoria is their business model. And they don't want any exposure. It's easier just to go on to the next kid. So expose, use your voice, be loud, speak up at school board meetings. I did. I got a ton of books removed uh, targeting K through three for sexism, sexual identity in the school district. Let your voice be heard and know that there is opposition and we're not going to accept this as normal. Yeah. Amen, Dennis. And that is the thing, too. It's, it's not as if there's children that are making these decisions on their own. There's no such thing as a third year old, third grader or three year old that understands their sexual identity or anything like that. It's these adults that are just grooming these kids. And you say this is the fight about putting these books out of the school. And they're saying, oh, you're a book banner. You're a book banner. No, it's about getting this pornography and this crap out of the school system where it doesn't belong with these little kids. And so parents, and I keep saying this, is that they're the underdog in this country and they're the ones that are going to make the biggest difference in 2024 because parents are seeing this and they're sick and tired of it and, and what, what what is the i mean now the fact that your son is again identifying as who he is as a boy what does your ex-wife does she even say anything like oh you know what i got that one wrong he doesn't really want it to be a girl it was me that like is there any kind of apology is there any kind of like oh we got that one wrong here is there any admission to this there is no remorse there is no admission of guilt even even the the therapist that had said that he is persistent and consistent with identifying as a girl. It's funny because they're nowhere to be found. Once the check stopped, he, they're gone. They ran. Yeah. And this is the tragedy of what they're doing to these kids that they're chemically castrating or just outright castrating. And they're doing this and they're ruining these kids' futures. When they get to the certain point where they realize they made a mistake, no one's there for these kids to pick up the pieces. And no one wants to cover the, the detransitioning story. They snuff that. They keep that. Oh, no one ever no one ever regrets uh, chopping off their penis or no one ever regrets uh, cutting off their breasts. And they make it sound like as if everyone's so happy, yet their suicide rate in this trans community is off the charts. 
And they say, oh, that's because people bully the trans. No, it's because you psychologically mess these people up, chemically mess, mess them up, and you ruin their lives. And then when the minute they wanted to make a change now or a pivot, you drop them like a wet towel. And that's why these people are all screwed up and their voices are being snuffed out. And thank God that you're speaking up because it's going to make a difference. And this has to stop. This, this, this cannot go away until it's eliminated from our society completely. Absolutely. A hundred percent. We know the facts. We know, according to a study done by Zuckerberg, Zucker, Bradley and Singh, that 88 percent of kids desist back to their original gender by the time they graduate. Only four percent do if you socially transition them. The rest, they were unaccounted for. So what we have here is a purely influence. It's a social contagion. And what we're doing is we're masking underlying mental illness with what they want to pass off as affirming care. It's not. There's a reason why we don't offer liposuction to people with anorexia. It's a mental illness. We're not treating it. Okay. We're feeding in to mental illness. That's what it is. Yeah. And then we're confirming their mental illness is what we're doing. And we're acting like the people that are speaking against it are the ones that are insane. And that's why it's like people like me feel like bashing their head against the wall because it's like you speak out against it. They act like you're this domestic terrorist. Uh, you're the, the, this uh, bigot or whatever they want to call you, all these labels. I don't care whatever you want to call me. And this is the same thing, too. Like I, I have four kids. My youngest is our only girl. She's nine years old. I don't want a grown man in the bathroom with her. I don't care what you call me. Whatever you call me, that's what I am, because I don't want a grown man in the bathroom my daughter and i don't want boys on her swim team or her sports team i don't want it so whatever label you could come up with call me that because that's exactly who i am yeah i i agree with you wholeheartedly so um you know i just i my son is the lucky one in all this because had i not stepped in when i did and risked everything then who knows what could have happened um but at least now he has a shot at a normal life as a boy. Uh, so help me God. I'll, you know, I mean, I don't know what I don't know. And there's a lot that I'm, I'm not in control of, but the blessing here is that he has his voice. Now he's awake. He understands what happened to him and he has some resent for those that, that did this to him. Well, I got to give you a lot of credit, Dennis. You seem like you're very composed about this. You speak about it very well. Uh, you got me fired up, right? I'm ready to throw the phone out the window here, right? I, I just uh, So thank God that your voice is out there. You're speaking up for other men. You're speaking up for other parents that are going through this stuff. Because I do know other dads that are in similar situations like this. So uh, your voice is important. I got the link down there in the description below. Keep fighting the good fight. Uh, and it's been an honor to have you here on the Alec Lay Show for a few minutes. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Alec. Pleasure to be here. God bless. All right. I'm very grateful to Dennis for giving me a few minutes of his time. As you can tell, I'm kind of fired up. I mean, I know Dennis has been going through this for years, so he's uh, able to handle this in a much you know, calmer, cooler way than I am. But I, I, I am pissed after listening to what this guy has gone through. And I know other dads that are in this situation uh, that, that and it's just it's a father's nightmare. And I don't know how much more I could stress the fact that this is sinister, what's happening in our country to these dads. And there's moms, too. I don't know of any, but I'm sure there's moms that are going through this, too. And people are parents are going to start playing this game. Divorce can get very brutal. We know that where they try to get dirt on one another. They try to do whatever they can. All's fair in love and war. Right. And, you know, parents are going to use whatever they can against other parents. And this gender affirming care, this uh, the puberty blockers, this whole thing is being used now in the family court system. And it's got to be a right from the, our whole family court system needs to be stripped down to zero and start fresh it has to happen 
All right, so grateful to, to Dennis Hannon uh, for, for giving me his time here. Support him. The link is down there in the description below. Support what he's doing. His voice is so freaking important right now in this country. And, and, and again, the 2024 elections, we got to get these Democrats, these left-wing lunatics away from our families, away from our parents, away from the children. We got to keep them the hell away. All right. Uh, all right. Now, on, on a lighter note here, yesterday, as I said, now I'm out in Vegas here. Yesterday was opening day, media day, and this is the sixth time in a row I've had the opportunity to be there to interview the players and the coaches about fatherhood and about family life because we know these guys for so much more. Uh, Their highlights, they won Super Bowls, MVPs, all this other stuff that we think is like, oh, this is so great. But really, when you get down to it, what really matters to these guys is them being fathers. And that's what I try to capture when I'm out there. Uh, but here's a, here's a quick uh, highlight of what's to come tomorrow. If you tune into First Class Fatherhood right here on Rumble, follow the channel. I started the page here, so look down there below, and you'll see the First Class Fatherhood channel as well. Follow it, and I'm going to blast this episode out tomorrow. Here's a few highlights. First Class Fatherhood live at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada, with Super Bowl 58 Media Day, where I will once again be interviewing the players and coaches of Super Bowl 58. This is the sixth time First Class Fatherhood has been invited by the NFL to take part in this. And let's face it, uh, the conversations about fatherhood, about faith, about family, those are far more important than any other conversation going to take place in this building tonight, okay? Who these men are as fathers, who they are as family men is far more important than who they are on this field right here. I'm standing in the Kansas City Chiefs end zone right here. No doubt will be a, a featured spot on Super Bowl Sunday, but right now, the Chiefs players are getting ready to come out onto the field here to answer some questions. And I'm going to bring you my interviews with them right now. Here they come, live from Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada. First Class Fatherhood bringing you Super Bowl Media Day. All right, and, and on a side note here, I, I was scheduling an interview with Patrick Mahomes' father to do this week to put out on First Class Father. Last year, I did the Kelsey's dad. The year before that, I did Jamar Chase's dad. So I usually try to get one of the top players and interview their dad for Super Bowl week as well. Unfortunately, uh, for Patrick Mahomes, uh, his father was arrested for DWI over the weekend. And uh, it was, you know, they threw him in the clink because this is his third DWI. He's probably facing uh, jail time in Texas now for that. But it was it's so sad to see that happen to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and, you know, listen, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I've gotten a DWI in my in, in my past as well. It's a vicious, vicious, vicious thing. Alcohol has destroyed more families in this country, I think, than anything else, uh, any other substance. It, it has ripped, and we still support it somehow. We still promote it, even at the Super Bowl, right? Bud Lights are everywhere. They, they're, they got beer commercials on every Super Bowl. We support and we, we highlight alcohol as if it's something good to be celebrating in this country, and it's destroying the country more so than any other substance. So maybe for another time, we'll have a debate about uh, if you had to choose as a parent, would you rather have your kid drink alcohol or smoke marijuana? I'd be interested to see what you guys have to say about that. But I I would love to do a whole show on that because I got some pretty strong opinions on both. Again, I'm a recovering alcoholic and an addict. So uh, anyway, sad for Patrick Mahomes and, you know, shame on his father, right? Third time around, he knows better. The the guy's got access to millions of dollars, take an Uber. It's easy to say, but when you're under the influence, very hard to make that decision. So uh, he's not alone because, you you know, there's many, many people are going drinking and driving. And uh, I think Uber and Lyft put a dent in it. But still, you got eight, over 80,000 people a year dying of alcohol-related deaths in this country. So alcohol is definitely a killer.
All right. Last thing I want to hit you guys with here. Friday, I was on the bottom line. I'll be on again this Friday, but I wanted to share some highlights uh, from my appearance on the bottom line on Friday. The stories were this teacher strike that's going on up in uh, Massachusetts, where the teacher's been on strike over 10 days and uh, the kids have been out of school. Meanwhile, the teachers are caught out at the bar, out at the club, partying it up while the, the, the teachers, of course, who's suffering? It's the parents. So that was one story. The other one was the Costco selling these doomsday kits, the end of the world kits. And the last one was this silly thing that happened with Larry David and Elmo. So take a look at the highlights here. This is from the bottom line on Friday. Children. Well, what's interesting is when the railroaders tried to go on strike, Joe Biden stepped in and stopped them. He blocked them from doing it. But no, no one's doing that for these teachers here. And, of course, I'm sure the kids are devastated that they're home for 10 days in a row. The teachers are out there boozing it up. So who's suffering? The parents are suffering, okay? They're the ones that are always having to foot the bill for all this stuff. And I'll tell you what, it's another one of these things that's an advertisement for homeschool. It happens to be Catholic Schools Week. Take a look. Maybe make a pivot. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Dagan, you got billionaires that are building bunkers all yes. over the world, yeah, right? food bunkers. So, I mean, you're buying freeze-dried snow cones at Costco. You've got some work to do. You know, but I would say buy some ammunition. Learn how to grow your own food would be helpful, too, in these kind of cases. But, yeah, I've been hearing about the world coming to an end since the day I was born. So it's the world's always ending. It's a sale thing, too. But, yeah, preparation is uh, there's no you, uh, I almost bought a house with a bomb shelter once. Right now you need a bomb shelter to live in some of these Democrat cities. <laughs> That's true. I agree with that. But I think Elmo, let's face it, he hasn't been the same since his fifth booster shot. He's a <laughs> puppet for the Democrats, right? So, I don't know. It looked like Larry David kind of went easy on him there. A little soft on the touch. Looked like he shook the hand at a puppeteer there, but I used to like the old when Barney and that chicken used to go at it. Like, those kind of fights were better, but yeah, this was a soft touch for Elmo. Yeah, and of course, last week was Catholic Schools Week. I would love to see more parents try to make that switch. I know it's a sacrifice. I just spoke at my children's uh, school this week for Catholic Schools Week, or I should say last week for Catholic Schools Week. Uh, it's, a, it's a difficult decision, but I think a, a very good choice. That if you can make the sacrifice, make the sacrifice. Get your kids out of the public school system in this country. It, they cannot benefit from it. I know that it all starts in the home, and I know you can instill these values, but you want those values reinforced at, at the school that your children are spending the majority of their time. All right, so think about, uh, seriously think about doing what you need to do to get them into a Catholic school or a, uh, you know, a private school, whatever it may be. All right, so that's what I'm, listen, I, like I said, I'm cutting the episode short here. I had that very, very important interview with Dennis Hannon today. Uh, I, again, I'm still out here in Vegas. I got a few more things I got to do out here, so I will be back. I don't know if I'm going to be back for a Thursday episode, so don't count me in on it. Worst case scenario, I will be back here a week from today on Tuesday to hit you with another live episode on Rumble here. Uh, again, please hit the link down there in the description below. Even if you don't want to support Dennis Hannon, share the link. Share the information, share the interview, share this episode, do what you can to spread the word because they'll have you out there believing that this is all being made up in your head and there's nobody that it's actually affecting. But it is real and it's hurting real dads out there, real parents out there are being affected and of course the children. I, I, I still, I'm still amazed. I'm amazed that we are in this situation where we're talking about little boys transitioning them into girls. It's criminal what's happening in this country, and it's got me so fired up. So that's what I have for you guys today. I'm going to get back at it. Enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, God bless all you parents out there. God bless all of you first responders, our military veterans. Uh, God bless you listeners. God bless America. And I will catch you guys next time right here on Rumble. You're listening to The Alec Lee Show. Alec Lace has interviewed more than 700 dads on his award-winning podcast, First Class Fatherhood. 
Dads from all walks of life, including Tom Brady, Deion Sanders, Matthew McConaughey, Steve Harvey, Tony Hawk, Eric Trump, and so many more. Find out why First Class Fatherhood has been number one on the iTunes charts. Who these men are as fathers and how they raise their children is far more important than anything they accomplish in their careers. Alec Lace encourages his high-profile guests to share their fatherhood journeys and offer advice to new and soon-to-be dads. Let every father in your contact list know about First Class Fatherhood. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Every day is Father's Day on First Class Fatherhood. You're listening to The Alec Lace Show. The future is family.